don't realize until you start approaching uh, literary agents and publishing companies just how many books are being written uh, <laughs> yeah. and how they are received. So I had to think outside the box. Mm-hmm. How was I going to separate myself by getting my name out there? Well, for one, I cut that uh, object in, in half because I only go by one name when I uh, write. Grab a cup of coffee, a notepad, and a pen. Coffee for closers only. It's time to talk marketing. Stick around, pal. I still got a lot to teach you. Each week, we bring you some of the best marketing conversations with entrepreneurs who are out thinking, out performing, and out earning their competition. No frills, no fluff. And now, your host, Jonathan Taylor. All right, welcome back to the show this week. We are talking marketing as it pertains to authors. You've heard me talk about book publishing books in the past uh, on the podcast. If you followed me for any period of time, and you know that um, I've written a few books in the past, and uh, most most authors don't realize that uh, that they're only ten percent of the way done. They really have to understand uh, marketing from a standpoint. You got to get out there and promote your book and really get it out there and sell it. My guest today is a great example of that. Who has been doing some hustle as far as marketing goes and getting his book out there, and I'm pleased to have him on. My guest today is Troy James. He is a former sports and music agent. He has had a lot of success in the past, and now he's written a book, and we're going to be talking about that, The Money Island, and I'm really excited to hear more about his book. Um, He is from the Lone Star State, Texas, and uh, he's going to be talking a little bit about his background and also about this new book that he's got out. And plus, we're going to be talking about some of the uh, kind of the creative guerrilla type marketing that he's been doing on publishing a book, because I think you'll get some great takeaways from this and uh, realize that, you know, you really do have to get out there, hustle and do some interesting things to get your book noticed. Troy, thanks for joining me today. I appreciate you coming on. Well, happy to get up this early to do this interview. Remember, I used to have a music background, so we never got up before noon. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, most musicians, man, they're out till uh, the wee hours, but they're and then they're up by uh, up by noon at least, right? Exactly. They don't believe there's really to eleven o'clock in the day. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about yourself. Uh, you got a pretty interesting background. I, I kind of like. I really, as a sports fan, I'm, I'm kind of envious of your background being a sports agent i know everything is um can be glamorized in in hollywood today but it's uh it's it's sounds like a pretty exciting lifestyle but you've been also a a music agent too if you would maybe share a little bit about your background tell us a a little bit about where you're um obviously you're texas native and uh if you would share a little bit about your business background and then we'll get into talking about the book and some of the things that you've been doing as far as marketing well, I grew up in a small town, Texas, and I um, uh, was pretty much a stud in this county as far as uh, my track and field career. Mm-hmm. And I got recruited uh, to go away to college and, and run. And when I got to college, I realized I was no longer a stud in that county. I was in a different <laughs> county <laughs> and was finding myself uh, continually finishing behind the, the winners. But I wanted to be relevant in the sport. And uh, you can't be relevant as an also-ran 
So I yep. decided to uh, get into the media side, which I was writing for magazines and did a little stint with a, an NBC syndicated show as a reporter. And then I got an opportunity to represent some athletes. So I was you know, relevant and got to represent uh, and work with some of the top athletes in the sport. It allowed me to travel all over the world. And mm-hmm. uh, it was uh, so really due to my shortcomings, I actually found a way to uh, extend a career in that. Oh, that's got to be so fun. I mean, being a former athlete, I know it's a lot of fun uh, representing athletes. I know there's some, there's always some pluses and minuses there, but but for the most part, watching their career develop and being a part of that's probably uh, probably was probably pretty satisfying. Well, it's funny though. Uh, you know, athletes uh, tend to be selfish people, which to a degree they have to be. Right. And uh, there's a loyalty factor there sometimes, and that's not all what it should be. In fact. Uh, I didn't see the movie Jerry Maguire until years after it had come out <laughs> because I thought they don't know what they're talking about. It's right. kind of like cop movies. Right. You know, I know a lot of cops. They hate cop movies because they get it all wrong in Hollywood. But when I saw Jerry Maguire, they nailed it. And I was like, <laughs> wow. And I thought, I'm getting out of this business. Plus, I was traveling so much. I was traveling 40 weeks out of 52. Yeah. And it was destined to keep me single. And right. Texas had way too many good-looking women for me to stay single. Yeah. Yeah, I can imagine that. A lot of traveling. Um, so how? when did you decide, at what point did you decide, you know what, I'm going to um, get rid of the travel miles, stop traveling so much, and, uh, you know, I've got this book inside of me. I want to get out. You know, is that something that had been on your mind for quite some time while you were uh, as an agent that you wanted to get out and you just hadn't take, taken the time? And Well, I, I had always wanted to be an author. There was something inside me. I wanted, always wanted to write a book. And I grew up with an appreciation of movies because when my dad was younger, uh, he ran the film projector uh, at his in his little town at the cinema there. Right. And so my dad always had a, uh, you know, he would. Uh, walk into a room of, uh, you might be watching a movie, and he'd say, oh, is that so-and-so? Mm-hmm. And you know who's also in this movie? And um, which didn't make for a great dream for me sometimes, but it gave me an appreciation right. of that. So I had this idea. You, you have a lot of ideas when you do 13-hour plane rides to uh, Japan. <laughs> You're right. A lot of time to think. And I'd had this idea, and I had this friend who was uh, working on the set of the movie The Alamo mm-hmm. uh, back uh, 11, 12 years ago. And um, I'm giving him a hard time for working on yet another Hollywood remake, mm-hmm. because it seems like Hollywood only has ideas for remakes oh, no. or sequels. Yep. And and so I was kidding him and being a friend, you know, I can do that. I said, look, I hope you're not even getting paid for this because seriously, you're remaking a John Wayne classic. I mean, seriously. And, um, well, one of the producers, uh, assistants overheard me and said, Hey, Mr. Smart guy, do you have a better idea for a movie? And I just gave the 32nd. Well, I thought this idea, these guys did a, on, uh, online lottery from an oil rig in international waters, uh, you know, uh, circumventing tax laws and IRS, and but yet the drug cartels are going to wonder who's in the uh, career, in the Gulf of Mexico right. uh, on this rig. Yeah. So <clears throat> he said, you know, <laughs> I just honestly said that to shut you up, but that's a great <laughs> idea. And then about five years ago, my wife and son had gone out to uh, Disneyland out in California, and I had some time alone. 
And uh, this same friend of mine calls me up and says, you know, that idea you had for a book or movie mm-hmm. is a great idea, and you need to put that to words. So I had three weeks alone, so I sat down and hammered this uh, book out. Yep. Uh, it's always been the intent of seeing it as a movie, but um, I first started to try to make a screenplay. realized I don't know Jack about making a screenplay, so then I sat down and and wrote the book in, right. uh, in the three-week period. Three weeks? I mean, you nailed out a book in three weeks? Well, it, was, it had been in my mind for years. Yeah, that's so amazing, it was though. Just basically but, I mean, you know, that's, that's still amazing. I, even if it's been in your mind for that long a time to be able to sit down and really, I mean, so many authors, they they know what the book's about, but they get, a lot of times they get, they run into corners or they, they get stuck on certain areas and developing characters and so forth. And, and so I, I, I'm pretty impressed with that. That's uh, that's pretty, pretty amazing. Well, I kind of compare it to, you know, you've, you've heard of uh, musicians that really hit the scene with a bullet, you know, yeah. they come out, there's their CDs killer. They, mm-hmm. Oh, it, it sells really well. And then their sophomore record that comes out a year later, fails miserably right and it doesn't live up to what the other well the reason i think that is is because when those those singers have had 10 or 15 years of those songs to be put on that first cd Uh, and now when the record label comes back and says now we need another one hurry up well now it's a forced uh, thing yep and so that's probably uh, why a lot of those uh, second efforts uh, fail. Hopefully that's not the situation with (laughs) the Money Island because the sequel that I'm doing now is not same uh, story, different town. Sure. Or let's make another Riches doing. It's it's a continuation of what has happened. And because with the Money Island, it is left with a cliffhanger. So this will be there'll be a follow up. It is, and um, I uh, felt pretty good about it recently. About uh, three weeks ago, I spoke to a book readers. Uh, several book readers clubs had had a big um, event, and I spoke with them. And someone asked me during the Q and A time, "What are you writing now?" And when I said I'm writing the sequel to The Money Island, mm-hmm. and everyone clapped. And you talk about a validation of what you've been doing. That really hit me hard yeah. uh, with appreciation. Oh, yeah. And I'm someone who appreciates uh, what uh, people, the, the support I've got from people. I mean, were you writing from sun up to sundown? I mean, you know, working to get this book out? What was the process there? Well, <clears throat> being alone at the house, I had no one to answer to. Yeah. It wasn't, honey, take out the trash. Right, right. Or it wasn't, dad, can you come throw the ball with me or, or something? Right. I was batching it again and aside from letting the dog out when he wanted out uh that's basically all i had to do so it was a 24 7 thing Uh, you know as a sports agent in international sports i was used to working 18 hour days anyway sure absolutely uh because i have to be be on asian uh time and then european time as well so um 24 7 was not unusual for me so let's talk about some uh let's talk about some lessons on promotion because i i think what bit what helps you a lot being a former agent you know you've got to get you got to get your name out there and so some lessons to be learned in marketing and and once you publish this book that's just the beginning you had to get the uh the word out about the book and what really attracted me to your uh to your story you know it was it's kind of like using the media to your advantage and what you did, you know, put, uh, you know, posting out once the, uh, once the book was ready to be, 
release, doing the press release. I want you to talk about that because uh, it really caught my eye as something unique and interesting to do because everybody today, every uh, so many people, you talk about marketing and publishing, and when I posted this query, I got so much reply of used you know, a lot of the same stuff. But you had kind of a unique approach, and I want you to, if you would, share a little bit about that and uh, with using your name and getting it out there. Well, one thing about that, I, I had to think outside the box. And you don't realize until you start approaching uh, literary agents and publishing companies just how many books are being written uh, yeah. and how they are besieged. So I had to think outside the box. Mm-hmm. How was I going to separate myself right. um, by getting my name out there? Well, for one, I cut that uh, object in, in half because I only go by one name when I uh, write. Mm-hmm. My last name is pretty common, and it's also a first and last name. So if you were to Google the Money Island Troy and my last name, you come up with 10 million hits, and right. uh, 99.999% don't deal with the book that I'm trying to send everyone to. If you Google the Money Island Troy, it takes you immediately to that. Right. So that was uh, something that I wanted to put into play. Now, I've had some... Uh, that's been 80% effective. Uh, I had one of the biggest agents in the business call me personally to say, look, I'm not taking any new clients. Mm-hmm. But the name did come across my desk, and I thought, what person calls themselves only by one name? Especially in an industry when you have people that use three names yeah. to uh, promote themselves. And there's, <laughs> right. this, uh, there's this uh, aura of uh, pretense, pretense and literary mm-hmm. uh, circles of the usage of names and the scholarly uh, image that people like to you know, use. And yet, here you know, I just go by Troy. Right. So that catches people's uh, attention. He said, I'm not taking any new authors, but I'm digging the way your marketing is. And he goes, I will be remembering this name for a long time. And I said, well, I hope you remember this name when I signed that movie deal. And he <laughs> said, why didn't I take that guy? Right. <clears throat> And uh, so that was uh, one thing. Also, uh, when uh, the book came out, uh, I you know, ended up finally getting a, a small publisher, uh-huh. Zawanka Publishing, out of out of Hawaii. Yeah. Uh, and they, um, he asked me the same. You really want to go by one name? I said yes, we're going by one name. And um, I uh, then do the uh, typical go into Facebook for social media to right. set up my uh, official author page right. of Troy. And uh, they refused to give me, they kept saying, it's unofficial, Troy. And I uh, kept asking, why are you making me unofficial? And they said, well, you know, you're about the movie Troy. And I said, no, I'm not. I'm an author. And we're back and forth. And they refused. Finally, they said, if you get this many likes, we'll think about giving you uh, the official uh, page. I hit that mark, and then they finally gave me the official uh, Troy uh, page. Right. We then put out we then put out a press release that said that uh, Facebook has acknowledged that I am an author, that it's legitimate, and I am not a part of the uh, movie Troy. <laughs> In fact, I said uh, Facebook finally realized, although they confused me with Brad Pitt, which I I see how they could get that comparison. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, I'm the better looking version of those two, <laughs> but 
they, I said, they finally realized I am not Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt was in a movie called Troy. I am Troy. And Yahoo picked that up and trended with it for a day. That's and a, so there was more attention with yeah, that. And yeah. So mission accomplished. Absolutely. That's amazing. You got that official page, just Troy. How many likes did uh, Facebook, did they, how, how many likes do you have to get to, to be able to get that? Well, initially they only asked 200. Um, what has happened, and I've learned this, I've seen a spike and increase on my personal page mm-hmm. because people are rather sleuth, uh, can be uh, quite uh, internet sleuths nowadays and can actually find uh, your full name right. and like being a personal friend as opposed to the page friend that right. I was yeah, yeah. speaking for them to be. So I end up having to do both the uh, personal and the other page. Mm-hmm. But it was a jump, and, and uh, after that, it was a jump, you know, you know a four-digit jump for me. So you've got a, uh, you've got, looks like you've got a following in Europe, and uh, I mean worldwide, you, or Europe, Asia, even Africa, as well as the U.S. So it sounds like word's really gotten out. You know, is this, uh, is this something that uh, is, is a direct result of a lot of just getting out there and hustle? I mean, what, what would you say is the biggest contributor to getting attention on this book and, and getting response and getting feedback and getting, getting buys and, and, and likes and all of that stuff? Well, I try to be a, a real person, general. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, and I still remember people that I came in contact with 20 years ago. Yeah. And so I keep, uh, you know, I had this database of friends throughout the world. And so when things went out, obviously they wanted, you know, to see, you know, what I've been doing for the past few years after I, you know, gave up being a, uh, an agent. Sure. And so that really kind of helped get in, in doors uh, with, uh, you know, various people. Mm-hmm. I am uh, doing a book fair in uh, Belgrade, uh, in Serbia next week. I'm pretty excited about that. It's my first international uh, book fair. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, uh, you know, a lot of it's perception about things, but yep. yet still you got to do the time work and, and all. Uh, you know, I'm used to dealing with champions, and I never heard a champion tell me or, or future champion tell me they couldn't do something. Yeah. You know, I had someone ask me one time, they said, do you not realize your limitations? And I thought about it for a second, and I thought, <laughs> no. Right. I refuse to. Yep. In fact, that's the first in the acknowledgments in the book. It says limitations is just a word in the dictionary. Yep. And I, and I believe that. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you ever, if you saw my wife, she's a very beautiful woman, much younger than I. Mm-hmm. And normally someone would say, I could never achieve that. But later after we were married, I finally asked her one time, I said, I did, I actually pursued her and I'd never really treated dating that serious, you know, in relationships. I finally said, I pursued you for three years. Right. What finally made you, uh, finally come over to the Troy train? And she said, your confidence. Absolutely. And that spoke volumes. And and so right there, I just did not accept losing. Nope. And so. I find that most, most people that are successful in anything, really, they don't give up. There's a lot of, there's a lot of stories of even, we're talking about publishing and, and writing authors who have been told no, no, no from, you know, publishers at the beginning. And they didn't let that stop them. You know, they just keep knocking on doors. And that's what you got to do. And you got to, you, like you said, you got to have that confidence in what you're doing. That, and then it took even a while after I became an author, you have to force that thought and think of yourself as an author. And that was another thing that I had not thought about previous. You know, sure, it's one idea to have um, an idea 
about something that well all all the good ideas taken yeah and that's kind of the pre- the, the concept of my book because when people read the book they're like this is incredible why isn't someone doing this idea yeah because I, I reached out to a, a Hollywood producer I knew mm-hmm. and I told him about the idea for the book he goes that is incredible why aren't you doing that and I said well that's what I'm talking to you yeah. he goes no why aren't you doing that. <laughs> And he was talking about the idea of my book, right? About you know the lottery in the middle of the Gulf of Mexico, right? And in fact, when I was doing research on the book, I called a friend of mine who uh, was a Bush appointee to the IRS back in two thousand three. Yeah, uh, and I need to understand some tax laws. Sure. And I'm kind of asking him some ways that I could avoid taxes, or if I did this, and he goes, whoa, 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 "I can't tell you this." <laughs> you know. And I said, well, he goes, what are you trying to do? And I said, well, I'm trying to understand if I'm out in international waters, 200 miles outside of the U.S., yeah. do I have to pay taxes on that company? And so finally I had to send him the first 50 pages of the book so he'd understand I'm really writing a book. I'm but not you're trying not to really trying really to <laughs> pull this off. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. He's like, man, this – I can get in a lot of trouble for this. You know, if something happens to you, you know, this can be traced back to me. But, but yeah, so he understood you were doing, I mean, it was, it was research needed for this book. Right. And I thank him in the book for the kind of the kickstart to make me really, you know, pursue that. Uh, So, uh, so what, yeah, I'm curious what, outside of that, was there a lot of other research that you had to do? I mean, obviously this is a very unique story and, um, uh, did did you, in addition to, you know, talking with this person, was there a lot of research that went into understanding and making sure that the story was was pretty congruent? Yeah, I I had never been on an oil rig out in the uh, Gulf of Mexico, obviously. So I was having yeah. to call people, right. you know. So so this is really a city at sea, so mm-hmm. it's like an island. Yeah, and that's where the name comes from, the Money Island. Yeah, uh, I said so. It's self supporting, internet, beds, you know. Uh, Landing pads for helicopters. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's oh, so it, people could live out there for long ex- uh, extended periods of time. Yeah. So that was one thing. Um, I speak Spanish, so I was actually one of the more interesting things was I had to speak with someone uh, who, let's just use the word cartel. Oh wow! To understand the the thinkings of the drug trade, uh, how they work in the Gulf of Mexico. Mm-hmm. And how someone not with an oil company, how they might get their attention of who are these people who would be running uh, a business from an oil rig and uh, understanding so how uh, the drug trade works, you know, basically from, from that aspect. So that was a little nerve wracking. Uh, I had to make sure we were in a well-lit spot and, <laughs> when we just <laughs> – yeah. and, you know, it, it's funny with all of that. My publisher uh, has come up with a great concept mm-hmm. that will should aid uh, my book and any others that uh, that they work. They're going to launch the Monty Island here in the next uh, I don't know weeks or uh, months. What there's a new program called Reality Six, mm-hmm. and what it is, it's taking uh, books and making them uh, a reality based. Yeah, and I'm still learning the whole concept, but with this idea, when you're reading the book, so many would people, so many people would reach out to me and go, "I know exactly what Will, the protagonist, I know exactly what Will looks like. 
mm-hmm. and they would describe him to me. And yep. it was strange how they would really get it. Oh, absolutely. And yeah. I'm, I'm pulling for these guys. This is crazy. I mean, I know he's going to get Karina back mm-hmm. and, and things that may or may not be so. And so now my publisher has come up with this idea that you can, while reading the book, you can get a text from Will explaining why he bought the club in L.A. to fire the bouncer that did not let him in the exclusive club. Oh, okay. And, or, That's pretty cool. So it's, uh, it's almost like you're, you're communicating with the actual character or getting updates from that actual character in the book. Yes, and it's something he's been working on for, for years to do, and now he's uh, seeing the fruition. And I am uh, getting the, the honor, basically, of launching this, mm-hmm. uh, this uh, concept on an international base. And uh, I was pretty excited when I received the email about two or three weeks ago that this is what was going to happen. And, and he was uh, excited and wanted to use the Money Island to launch, uh, launch Reality 6. Fascinating. I'm, it's fa- it sounds like a fascinating book. I, I I'm I love uh, good um, thriller type fiction books, and um, uh, this sounds like something that I would enjoy because I there's the element you've got the element of the cartel in there. I know that's going to get it pretty interesting. So something definitely I want to check out and uh, grab. I guess you can grab it on uh, over at Amazon and uh, get the download the Kindle and buy the uh, the paperback as well, right? Yes, you can, or at Barnes and Nobles, or you can go to themoneyisland.com. Okay, all right, uh, and um, that's the official page of the book. Okay, and uh, even read up on me and read up about the book. And um, I promise you this: you will not see the ending coming. And that's oh, one wow. thing I really feel most proud about. Yeah. I would get emails from people who would find my email somehow, and they'd say, "I'm at page sixty-four. Mm-hmm. I'm getting to the part where." And tell me what was going to happen next, and it would be wrong. And that keeping the reader on their toes was something that I really yeah. enjoyed most. That I I did not want to be predictable. Is this available on uh, audiobook over at Audible as well? You know, I don't even know. I've been so focused on working with the screenwriters and doing the sequel that I don't know. Uh, that'll be something I'll have to ask my um, uh, publisher. I have not uh, done the. Um, uh, any audio uh, for that, okay. which I don't know how well my Texas uh, accent will play in that. We might have to get someone more versed. And <laughs> yeah, I'd love to listen to that because I listen a lot. Of, I, I listen to um, I listen to a lot of fictional books, uh, especially while I travel, because I, I love listening to those on the um, on my iPhone. And this is definitely one I want to check out. And you can find out more about. Um, this book by Troy, he's, I, I tell you, it sounds like an interesting read and that they can find more about it at themoneyisland.com. Is that right, uh, Troy? Yes. Would you recommend, I mean, I know you had a traditional publisher. What do you recommend for real quick? Do most people need, uh, fu- uh, you know, publishing a book for their first time? Do most people need a publisher? Have, have you found that it's beneficial to have a publisher than to go this alone and publish yourself or, or what do you think on that? Ideally, it's best if you can get that publisher. Yep. And I was fortunate in that. But I uh, I feel that if you have, I, I know so many people who are self-published and are doing well with that. Mm-hmm. I think it's really up to you. Yeah. I mean, it's you putting in the time, right. you making the calls, you making the right contacts. 
And uh, it is a business. It's a 24-7 business that you eat, right. sleep, and uh, drink as an author, as that product. Right. There's no, no one's going to care more about your book than you do. I mean, you know, even if you have a publisher, you know, you're just going to be, even if you sign with a publisher, you know, you have more interest in moving that book than anybody because you're, you know, you've put in so much time and energy. So at the end of the day, it's all about how much hustle you want to put in. It sounds like you're doing the right things. And man, I appreciate you coming on today. I'm uh, interested, looking forward to getting this out to our audience and, uh, and sharing your example. And again, people can find out more about the book by going to themoneyisland.com and uh, check it out over at, uh, you can get the book off of the website. You can check it out over at Amazon, Barnes and Noble. Troy, thanks for coming on today. It's been a lot of fun talking with you. I love your story. Jonathan, I appreciate it. Thank you. You bet. 